0: Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub.
1: All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha and this is Matt Staub. and welcome to our business legal podcast where we cover business in the news and also add our legal twist, almost like a lemon in a piece of fish or a (laughs) drink of some sort. (laughs) <laughs> and then we also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at com. I want to know how you're preparing your fish. <laughs> <laughs> you put a, you know, a little bit of a twist of lemon a at the twist? end. You know, just to- I
2: guess. Usually you'll see the people slice a lemon, and if you do some sort of grilling, especially on a plank, they'll put a slice on top, and then that's how it's served. I don't know.
1: You can do a twist, but... Of course. You always put lemon in... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it just depends what kind of fish. I, any kind of fried fish or grilled fish, I, I like to put a little lemon at the end Since <laughs> I do tons of cooking. That's all I do every day.
2: Uh, so this podcast is basically like a fish is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, or a drink. You can put a little lemon twist in your drink. I like, think
2: that's the better analogy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Twist a yeah. lemon. Oh. Either way. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, a little twist of lemon in your lemonade is really good too. Just a, <laughs> just a tad
2: right at the end. All right. Well, before we get too off topic, we're going to talk about LinkedIn today. For those of you who don't know, it's a company where you can push your resume online, more or less. That's how I look at it. But
1: I think that's a very old school way of describing it. I think that's how they started. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously you were partly joking, but yeah. still, that's funny. A little bit tongue in cheek,
2: but I mean, that's more or less what the site is. It's basically your resume on there.
1: LinkedIn is another one of those sites I just don't 100% get yet. I will someday. But apparently they do sell a
2: lot of business. Let's see. They made $1.53 in revenue last year. So that's pretty solid. But they're dealing with a lawsuit. And I guess they actually are going to pay out money, $6 million to 359 employees in back wages and damages for unpaid overtime. So it looks like we're getting into a, an exempt non exempt issue. Yeah. I'm guessing is what happened with this.
1: But well, I think it's a mix of things because it looks like they also did not track certain hours. And you know, this exempt status in California for inside salespersons, it's somewhat unique to California. Not every state has this. And there's no such thing that I'm aware of for inside salespersons in the federal law. But in California, where LinkedIn is based, but I don't think a lot of these salespersons were actually in California is that you can be exempt from overtime if you're paid more than one and a half times the minimum wage and you're inside sales and so forth. And even if you're hundred percent commission or whatever, but at the end of the day, you have to be paid at least more than one and a half times the minimum wage. But these other cases in the other States, it looks like when all these people were working overtime, they weren't tracking it, which that's more of an issue is that when they are working overtime, you have no way to determine if they are, and so therefore... You're never even going to know that you're supposed to be paying overtime. And
2: the production comes with outside sales positions. And I guess what deals with what this one was, was inside sales commission employees. So I think that's one of the reasons that this ended up the way it is. But yes, yeah, the not tracking the uh, overtime too. That's probably the bigger issue <laughs> than the inside versus outside sales position.
1: Do you know what worries me is that this is a tech company, obviously, but they didn't have the tools in place for the employees and managers to track hours properly. That seems a little off to me because, first of all, there are plenty of tools out there, both online and offline, and frankly, even on paper, you can do to do so. And <laughs> you know, by the time the Department of Labor actually started enforcing this, they had caught up to speed or whatever. But I don't know. I think LinkedIn has already been construed as a company that's a little bit behind in technology as far as they're coming up. They seem to be copying what Facebook and Twitter does and so forth. They're becoming their own a little bit now more than before, but It's kind of sad to see that they finally got this done.
2: That's a little bit questionable. I don't know how that would happen for them, but it was a federal claim, but it was dealing with employees in California, Illinois, Nebraska, New York. I don't know how many different offices they have, but this is obviously something that's internal with the company. That's, you know, it's not just one branch that's doing this. This is a company wide issue. It's stretching literally coast to coast. So. There's a lot of red flags here with just their operations. No way to track hours. I mean, that obviously doesn't help. This is a big internal issue, especially for a company that made $1.5 billion in revenue last year, which I guess that was mostly advertising and then people paying for job postings. I don't know how else they make their
1: money. I guess, yeah. I have to give them credit, though. They also stepped up after the allegations came and paid right away. I mean, there's other companies that try to drag this along and try to fight and so forth. And obviously, I think this is worth it for them. But I think the other very important note that we should all be listening to here is that it is not uncommon at all for a company of this size to fall on this mistake. This law, unlike Monday's episode when we talked FMLA, which applies to big employers, this applies to everybody. And the point here is that even the big guys make the same, frankly, silly mistakes that the little guys do when it comes to paying overtime and wages. And the reason is because one is that there's a lot of laws that are there to protect employees and maybe rightly so. And second, it's complicated. It's not as simple as maybe people think. And so being lazy in this aspect is a high risk.
2: Yeah. And especially because it's just as an employer, the deck is so stacked against you. Yeah, You have very little chance of really succeeding if you want to try to go this route especially if your employees want to do anything about it too. I mean, you pretty much have no yeah, chance.
1: you're right because these employees, they're not, in fact, your employees, even if you're not paying them minimum wage or not paying them overtime, they're not going to complain if they're happy in their job. But just remember, there's always moments, even in the greatest work environments, someone may get upset and they may find a way to you know, get back at you if they're upset. Yeah. And if they're terminator or what the layoff and All they have to do is go to an attorney and that's working on contingency to find a fault in your business practice. And then, what if that one employee is the same as all the other employees, and now all of a sudden that same claim is multiplied by 10, 15, 20?
2: And where do they go to find their attorney? LinkedIn. You see who you're connected with. Yeah. If you're not connected with any attorneys, you can find a second degree connection.
1: Or a third degree and then get an introduction.
2: That was probably the better way to describe it at the beginning of the episode would be some sort of six degrees of separation thing. I think that's actually the better way. I don't know why I said the virtual resume. <laughs>
1: uh. Yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time on it, but I haven't found anyone through that second or third degree connection just online. It's hasn't worked out that way for me yet, or yeah. vice versa. I don't think anyone's found me that way either. There's LinkedIn
2: specialists that I've listened to and... I don't buy into it because their strategies are just search through your contacts, find people that are two or three degrees away, have the other person make the introduction or
1: reach out. It's like, it
2: just seems so, I don't know, just too much for me.
1: I mean, there's probably people that benefit from it. But for me, if if I don't really get it and I feel like I'm pretty computer savvy and I don't really get the benefits and I'm not using it, then then how are other people going to use it? And how are other people going to be receptive if I reach out to them in that same way? You know, so that's how I see it. Anyway, LinkedIn's great. Hashtag. Yes, LinkedIn's awesome. Question of the day. It's a long one. Well, not really. Well, uh, someone from Austin, Texas. It doesn't fit in our Excel sheet like just perfectly. To you have to actually select the cell so you can see the entire question. But the text isn't wrapped here. Yeah, it's not wrapped. Oh, there you go. Okay, that's a long question.
2: <laughs> I I wanted to incorporate as an S-Corp, but I heard there are restrictions. What rules do I have to follow? Like I said, someone in Austin, Texas, but this is going to be more of a U.S. question, I guess. This is going to apply to S-Corps in any state in the U.S. So for those of you who don't know, an S-Corp is basically a, I would say, a smaller version. There's two types of corporations for most people, C-Corp and S-Corp, and C-Corp is the big, I do a really bad job of explaining this. The the big <laughs> the time big, corporations and S yeah S corps are the smaller corporations. You know that fall under subchapter S, but it's not just size. There's restrictions on what's allowed for S corporations, and one of them is size. So you can't have more than 100 shareholders. Which for a lot of you know small private companies, that's not going to ever be an issue. Yeah, but you know once you become bigger, it, it becomes an issue. But for people that are just starting out. of them, that'll never even come into play. So that's probably not as big of an issue. So we'll get into some other ones. It has to be domestic corporation. You you know, that's going to be fine too. I think the ones where it usually gets people are these. Shareholders can only be certain people. So you can't have partnerships corporations or non-resident alien shareholders. So that actually trips corporations up sometimes cuz you know you have someone that's not a US citizen who wants to be involved, you know that's going to be a problem or if you have a corporation or partnership like I said if if they want to be one of the owners, you know that's going to be an issue. So that's definitely something to think about and then last, you know, one class of stock. I think that's probably another big one as well that will trip people up just because there's no sort of preference can have the preferred
1: type of of
2: distribution.
1: So those are the general rules, obviously. And I think most people already know, or maybe they're not aware of the benefits of an S-corp, but basically it designates the corporation as a pass-through tax entity versus a C-corp, which is that's taxed twice uh, for its uh, corporate income tax that is received, and then also the uh, income tax that is given or charged against the shareholders themselves when dividends are issued. So I think C-Corps and S-Corps are commonly termed as a small corporation or so forth. But in reality, I mean, both small and large corporations can be considered S-Corps or C-Corps. But the big restriction is for bigger companies is that 100 shareholders. And also, like Matt mentioned, who the shareholders are, it's oftentimes when you have, especially investors and so forth, they want to invest through their entity and so forth, and that's going to be restrictive. Also, if you have investors, a lot of times you're going to want multiple classes of stock. So it seems like S-Corps are usually fitting for, like you said, a small company with one or two shareholders and doesn't expect to increase much after that. Otherwise... If you want any kind of complex structure in your corporate structure, S corps just don't work.
2: Yeah, and if you want to kind of not game the system, but kind of get the best of both worlds, just be—you can be an LLC that gets taxed as an S corp, and so yeah. if that's the case. You know, you're kind of getting the best of everything. Um, so I'd just keep that in mind. That's an option too. You don't have the
1: same sort of restrictions that an S corp is going to have. I think that's also commonly not known. I, I'm pretty sure LLCs can be taxed as a C corp too, right? I believe so. Don't quote me on that, but I'm quoting you on that. I'm pretty sure. I don't think we've ever done that because it's not something that I would have any reason to recommend. But yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) I'm sure there's probably some reason out there on why you would do that, but I don't know why you would go that route. I think if it is possible, which I'm pretty sure it is, maybe the company started out as an LLC and then they realized they want to have a little bit more complex tax structure. I don't know. I'm trying to think it through. (laughs) Well, because also there's benefits of not being taxed as a partnership in an LLC as well but an escort may not work because maybe they want different classes of stocks or have more than a hundred members. So it's probably has something to do with that. I was going to say we don't give tax advice. And then I remember our
2: next episode, (laughs) the question we have is straight (laughs) tax advice. So we don't give tax advice on Wednesdays, only on Fridays. So if you want a tax question answered, you got to email us on a Friday. That's the only way it gets done. Very good. I mean, tax plays a little bit into this, I suppose, but we definitely answered the question in terms of sort of the restrictions that are out there for S-Corps.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking here, a limited liability company can be taxed as a C-Corp or S-Corp, but I don't think I've ever done one.
2: Yeah, I don't really anticipate it either, so.
1: All right, well, thank you for sending that question, Mr., Mrs., or Miss Austin.
2: I think that's our city, but.
1: Business owner. (laughs) Well, it's the name of somebody. All right. Keep it sound. And keep it smart.
0: This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up to date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.